0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. We are back at Casa de Bijou, finally, and I've got a pack. And today I was supposed to have a guest. Toby Marashano was going to be my guest, which I mentioned wanting to have him on. He's one of my favorite people to talk to and to pay attention to on Facebook because he's always... He takes, you know, like whatever the popular topic is at the moment, whether it's uh, something to do with Donald Trump, or something to do with Black Lives Matter, or something to do with the United situation, or Russia, and he'll take it apart in the most logical and analytical way, and it's something I really have a lot of respect for, and I'm really hoping that we can figure it out for next week. Last night, uh, I had just driven in from... Oregon, Washington, or Oregon. I was only performing in Oregon this time, no Washington at all. A lot of times I'll do Vancouver, you know, at least hit a little bit of Washington. This time was just Oregon, Portland area. And as soon as I drove in, I, well, as I was driving, I was listening to my friend Chris Adams' podcast, which is called The Middle with Chris Adams. If you guys have a chance, check it out. It's also here on SoundCloud and also iTunes. But I was listening to his podcast, and I was listening to... He was interviewing Toby, and I heard that Toby was going to be doing his show, Unsafe Space, which I've done a couple of times. I've done, like, three different episodes of his podcast, uh, which is a podcast-slash-comedy-show-panel-show. And that's the one where I made the professor of politics storm out because she... Wanted to tell me what was in my best interest. And I knew how to get get under her skin easily. And I basically made her walk out. I knew that something was going to happen. I didn't know she was going to walk out. But I knew I was really going to troll her. And so she got upset. She ended up leaving. And uh, that's part of what I want to talk to Toby about. About the way that that played out. And then there's just a lot of stuff that's been going on. That Facebook murder thing happened. And... I got to be honest, I don't usually get bummed out by stuff, and I'm pretty good at watching things and just being like, yeah, whatever, that's a thing, who cares? But that one really bummed me out. I was in San Leandro because I stopped in the Bay to hang out with Chris Doran for Easter, Chris Doran and his girl uh, Mandy. And I was hanging out with them for Easter and it wasn't really for Easter. It was just it was my cheat day and I was on my way back down and it's a long drive. And this is one of the few times where I really felt like I was abusing my dogs because I had forgotten how long the drive is to Portland. I also, even though I know it's really stupid and it sounds really basic of me, I forgot how rainy it is in Portland. So my dogs really couldn't enjoy our time there. We weren't able to go out that much because it was raining a good part of the time we were there. Then I had to keep drying off their paws each time that we'd get back in the room. It just was a lot of work, and I know that they were tired of it, and I was tired of it. It is a long drive home. We stopped at a rest area. We actually stopped at two different rest areas to sleep on the way home. And then I was like, just thinking in my head, I want to stop in the bay and have a break and see Chris and Mandy and say what's up and get to relax at least for a little bit. Get out of the car. And so we did that. And Chris told me about the Facebook murder, and I wasn't really thinking. I guess I hadn't realized how how it'd feel to actually see somebody get shot on Facebook. And the guy is older, and you know, was an old man. And my dad isn't quite as old as that man, but my dad is getting up there. And they had, like, a similar walk, and I think I just related a little too much, and it really did bum me out. I mean, like, I feel kind of all right now, you know, It's like it's just something I saw, but it really did bum me out. So uh, when people were asking about it and stuff like that, I didn't post it on my page, and I didn't send it to any friends because I didn't want to pass that feeling on to anybody. And I really didn't feel right about posting it. I guess I feel better for having seen it, maybe. I guess maybe I feel a little more empathy towards people or some... I don't know. I guess it's important in a way that I did see it. But at the same time, it really did hit me a way that I usually don't get hit. There have been a lot of things on Facebook that have hit me a certain way. You know, like I felt somewhat duped today because one of my friends had posted about Trump supporters, are you ever going to admit that you were wrong? And I've seen different versions of this for quite a while now, and this is a friend that I had respect for in the way that I thought he was also a person that was just trying to create dialogue, because when it comes down to it, I think that that's a lot of what this country needs, and it's a big part of why I voted for Donald Trump. And I know a lot of people won't ever be able to wrap their minds around that because a lot of people can't think any way other than their own. Like, I am honestly able to see why people do the things that they do. And even if I don't agree with it, I I can usually be like, yeah, I get why that worked for your life. I don't think you're an idiot for it. The, The people that follow blindly, though, that's who I don't understand. And I... I know people are going to say I'm biased, but I've just noticed that in a lot of cases, liberal people don't ever want to see things anybody else's way. It's like one way. It's their way. You either agree with them or you're racist. You either agree with them or you're transphobic. You either agree with them where conservative people have become more open to being able to accept. Like, I have conversations with conservative people where I don't agree with them, and I'll let them know that I don't agree with them, and we'll talk about it, and we'll just move on. Sometimes we'll agree to disagree and just leave it like that. Sometimes we'll really go into it a bit more. But there's just this liberal, I cannot hear anything you have to say without calling you an idiot type of thinking that I just don't get down with I don't understand why people and I, and I had to ask my friend because I've seen this so many times and like I said I've had decent conversations with him in the past and i I felt at different points like he was trying to do something productive but I don't understand what it is that's missing in your life that you just want people to apologize for something that in a lot of ways you're unconnected to I've said it before, but I think that if you want to talk about how hateful Trump's America is and everything else, then don't be a hateful person. Be nice to the person that you're actually talking to. And I'm always open to talking to people. I'm always open to telling them and giving them a few more ideas as far as what the thinking was for me and things that I've heard from other Trump supporters. For me personally... I'm tired of people trying to put a pretty face on everything. I'm tired of people trying to make everything seem like it's going great and we're this progressive society. In a lot of ways, we are, but at the same time, there has always been a lot of racism and homophobia and even transphobia going on in the shadows that nobody ever wanted to acknowledge. People always wanted to pretend like it wasn't going on, and they still do want to pretend like it's not going on. So I'd rather have somebody that's representative of that, somebody that actually speaks some of that, some of the, somebody that's gonna, whether people are like, like it or not, bring it to light and make people have to deal with it. I mean, how much longer are we gonna keep immigrants in this country, illegal immigrants in this country, where they can't, where they're in limbo, where they're really neither here nor there, where they're open to exploita- exploitation because. People can take advantage of them. People can use them for cheap labor. I see it all the time. I've seen it in different places I've lived where their tenant rights have been violated and they basically get treated like they have no rights and they live in bad conditions. Like, I'm an American citizen and I can tell you that places that I've lived have been really quick to handle things that I have problems with like whether it's plumbing or just, you know, something to do with the maintenance of the apartment. And then I've talked to other people because even though I have my feelings on immigration and deportation and all that stuff, I'm not going to be an asshole to people because they're on the other side of that or they're living contrary to that. I'm not going to not be nice to people because they are illegal and I know that and I'm not trying to report them or make it any kind of thing, you know, like I have regular chats with them like they're regular people because really that's what they are. You know, I can still be human with them even though I may feel like, yeah, you need to go back. <laughs> it's just what has to happen. You're not supposed to be here. I mean, like, I can still feel that and also feel compassion for what it is they're having to live in because they're open to this sort of abuse, let's say. Because... I know for a fact that a lot of times my stuff gets taken care of right away and their stuff will be an ongoing problem for, I know one guy, it was a year at least, that he was dealing with the bad plumbing, plumbing problem in his apartment. And I'd see him every once in a while in the halls because we don't talk every day, but I'd see him every once in a while in the halls or like walking down the street. And I would ask him, I'd be like, so did they end up taking care of that plumbing? And he'd be like, Nope, still the same problem, you know, and of course he said with an accent and a little more broken English, but he would let me know that he was still dealing with the same problem. They pay more rent. He also told me that. He paid more rent than I did, but he moved in before I did, which makes no sense at all, especially if you know the way rent control works and... You know, I I pay less than a lot of people now because people have moved in after me. But when you're talking to a guy that moved in at least two or three years before I did and he's paying more money than I am, clearly they're abusing his rights or pretending like he doesn't have any. And there's nothing he can do about it because it's going to be hard for him to find another place. Right now in L.A., it's hard for anybody to find a place, really. I know people that are full citizens are having trouble finding a place because... It's expensive here and rent keeps going up in different areas. And it's like if you have a place that you're already settled in, you've already paid the deposit, it's easier to stay than it is to go somewhere else. And that's the predicament some of these people are stuck in. You know, then there's the other side where they'll be piled up for in an apartment and be upset because they signed a lease that says that you're not allowed to have more than, I think, three people in a studio... And so the compromise on that is you have to pay more rent for that. But then they'll get mad about that. And it's like, do you think that somebody's just supposed to live here for free? I, so I see both sides of it in a lot of cases. And I'm open to seeing both sides of things. But I notice a lot of people that I talk to that are on the other side are just like one way only. You have to understand that this is the way it is. You, uh, well, why is it I'm the only one that has to understand why can't, why can't you take a second and try to understand anything? Even if in the end you don't agree, because I, I can understand what you're saying and still not agree, but at least I understand, at least I'm listening, at least I'm okay, I'm open to it, I'm hearing what you're saying, the words are actually going in, I'm taking it in, and sometimes I don't respond right away because I am thinking about things people tell me, but I notice people right away respond with a bunch more questions for me, and it's like, you didn't even think about anything I just said. You didn't even take account, take into account the factors that I gave you as far as what I am personally. I just told you where I'm coming from personally, where I'm coming from. I don't want to talk about every other Trump supporter. Right now, it's me and you in a one-on-one conversation. And instead of you asking me what it is I think about these different these different situations, these different issues. Instead, you want to tell me what it is I'm thinking. Well, you're clearly racist. Oh yeah, okay, you're right. I a Mexican-American, am Mexican-American, I'm clearly racist. That's, that's all I am. No, I don't see another side of my people. I don't, I don't know, like today, I went to one of my favorite restaurants where I always get tripas, which if you know what tripas are, they're intestines, cow intestines. They're really fried crispy and good at this restaurant. And it's my restaurant I always go to with my friends. I've been there with Nick Guerra. I've been there with Johnny Roque. I've been there with Nick Guerra and Johnny Roque. I've been there with Martin Rizzo. I've been there with Kenny Lyon. I've been there with everybody because I just love this restaurant. And it's a little hole-in-the-wall shit spot, but they have the best tripas there. And... I was being treated like shit today because it wasn't my regular guy working the window. And I was being treated like shit today. And I knew, I saw other Spanish-speaking Latinos getting treated like just gold. And this is no exaggeration. And then I walk up because I speak English, I all of a sudden get treated shitty. I mean, like, I had a good attitude because I'm at my favorite restaurant. So it's not me giving off a shitty vibe. And I'm definitely not treating the guy like he quote-unquote works for me. Because this is my favorite place. I, I'm i always cool with the guy that's there because I get exactly what I want. I order exactly what I want. It's on the menu. It's not a big deal. And today I was being treated shitty to the point where I asked for lime because a lot of times you eat lime and salt. You know, you splash lime and then squeeze lime and... um Put some salt on your three and I always get the green sauce. I asked for the green sauce, and he was like, "I put the red in there," and I was like, "Yeah, I want the green though." And then he was like, "It's a dollar fifty. and I was like, "It's a dollar fifty just for me to get the sauce that goes with my my three buds? Then Kenny steps in and was like, "Cause Kenny Lyon was with me, and Kenny stepped in and was asked him in Spanish if we could just change out the red and get the green." And then I have to pay a dollar fifty. And the guy says yes at that point. but why wouldn't you just say that to begin with? So I'm not trying to trip. I still want my food. I already ordered it. I already paid for it. I'm just collecting it now. And then I ask for lime. He cuts um, like two gives me like two quarters of lime, or not even yeah. Yeah, it was like no, not even a half of lime, um, less than that. Like um, I guess two eighths of a lime. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, one quarter. I don't know how you, however you would say it. Like yeah, it's like it's so it's half and then cut in half and it like he hands me that and then I'm like. Oh, yeah, this is not enough lime, you know, but I still don't say it like that. And plus, it's just, he hands it to me in my hand, no plastic baggie, which we all have been to taco trucks and stuff like that. This isn't a truck, but we know that they have the plastic or they have the containers. And so I just asked him, I was like, can I get one of the small plastic bags for this? And he says, no. So I'm just supposed to hold this lime in my dirty ass hand because there was there's no bathroom at this place. And we'll, we'll, so... I tried to be cool about it. And then I just got like, you know what? Man, stop playing and give me, give me a fucking bag. And that's when I... Told him. And the other customers even looked at me like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Because there's no reason for you to be a dick like that. And it's a bag that costs, I'm sure, less than five cents if you do the math on it. Probably like two cents for these bags. Just give me a fucking bag and stop acting like a dick because I don't speak Spanish and you probably think I'm Asian. That's what the fuck's going on. But I don't want to sound like a crazy person, so I don't say this. And I think that's where a lot of people don't really get it when it comes to certain people getting extra upset about certain things, it's because sometimes you know exactly what's going on. Sometimes you know when you're being discriminated against. Sometimes you know somebody is treat- treating you a certain way because they think you're less than, because you either don't speak the language they speak or you're not from the same place that they're from. And this is something that happens for a lot of ethnic people, a lot of LGBT people, and other people will see it happen and they think, oh, this person has just gone crazy. No, we just deal with this shit all the time. And sometimes it does get like can I just have a fucking day where I get treated like a human being and don't have to deal with this I don't want to have to deal with this I'm a paying customer not only did I buy a 3 but plate I also bought a half pound of carnitas uh, and, and then I also bought a large coke and it's not like I'm trying to get anything for free it's not like I'm trying to get anything that I shouldn't normally get it's not like I'm expecting anybody to treat me like a goddamn king I just want to be treated like any other customer, and instead I'm getting this guy's attitude for no fucking reason at all. And then there is a part of me that does feel like, if you want to know what I feel like back about it, I feel like you don't belong in this fucking country anyway. So if you're going to make things hard for people that are actually supposed to be here, how about I think you should go back? How about not only do I think you should go back, I think they should build a fucking wall. And yeah, I do think you belong on the other side of that fucking wall. And I don't care if you and your fucking kids go back with you because you're the one raising them and they're going to end up just as fucked up and hateful as you are. But instead, I'm supposed to be nice all the time because I'm an American and I've got some sort of privilege. You want to tell me what kind of fucking privilege I've had? And I also get tired of straight people trying to tell me about the fucking LGBT struggle. So we're just going to step back on LGBT rights. Oh, you want to tell me about fucking LGBT rights? I got kicked out of a fucking restaurant before because I was gay and made no effort to mask it. And those were the exact words that were given to me by a manager that was a fucking fag himself. But I don't know what discrimination is. I don't know where we come from as far as LGBT goes. Me starting out doing comedy, me even doing comedy now. I get told in so many rooms that I've headlined rooms just like them that they're not sure that what I do would go over in their fucking room. Well, what the fuck do I do other than comedy? Oh, the fact that I'm gay? I'm, so that, now that means I'm doing gay comedy because I happen to be a gay man and I'm not afraid to talk about it. That means I'm doing gay comedy. Never mind the fact that the headliners that you have have less credits than I do, have done less road work than I do, but that's who you're going to have headline just because they're straight. Just because you think they're going to be more relatable to the audience. But I'm not supposed to say anything about that. When it comes to me, I'm supposed to suffer in silence. Meanwhile, any motherfucker that gets online and says that they're having some sort of struggle is suddenly considered brave just for saying it. Why are they brave for saying it online, but I say it in real life and suddenly I'm considered a nutcase? How does that work out? How does that work in your life? And why is it everybody wants to tell me what my problem is when I'm telling you with my mouth in so many words what my problem is? I'm telling you what my problem is. Do you know how frustrating it is to have somebody tell you what your problem is when you're telling them what it is? But instead, they, it's like if you were to go into the doctor and you were to say, you know what? My elbow doctor, it's really giving me problems, my elbow. And the doctor looks at you and says, well, I don't know why you're complaining about your knee. I mean, your knee is not even a problem. Well, I'm not complaining about my knee. I said my elbow, but your knee, you keep talking about your knee. I mean, like you keep making this issue about your knee. I'm not talking about my knee. I told you it's my elbow, but your knee, you keep talking. Do you see how fucking frustrating this is? And that's what happens when you try to talk to people about politics, when you tell them. I tell them, like, in a lot of cases, what you don't get about the right, what you don't get about quote-unquote Trump's America, is these people are very open to hearing what your story is. Whether you're gay, whether you're black, whether you're a Latino, there are a lot of people out there, the majority of people, I would say, are open to hearing what it is you are they want to be able to ask questions though they want to know why things work a certain way they want and these questions can somewhat be hard to answer if you're not comfortable with yourself that's why i'm so open about everything when it comes to these people because i think that these people are the people that we really need to be open to and let them in like let them, actually let them ask you a question. If you're secure in why, what you are, why do you have such a problem with somebody asking you a question? Maybe it's because you're masquerading as something that you're really not. Like me you want to use the word fag around me, I'm 100% fine with it because I am a fag. As long as you're not saying it in a disrespectful way, I'm not going to have a problem with you using the word fag. Maybe that's the word you grew up using. That's why I identify as a fag because that's the word people used to use all the time to be derogatory. So at a point I decided, you know what? That word is not going to fucking run me. I'm going to be a fag and I'm going to be proud to be a fag and I'm going to enjoy my fucking faggot life. That's what the fuck's going to happen with this fag over here. And so I even have people that just identify me that way when they see me. I told the story before about the time that I went into that restaurant, Sittins in in, uh, North Hollywood, And there were some people there that had seen me uh, do a show a couple nights before. And as soon as I walked in, one of the guys lights up and he was like, hey, it's the fag. And then his table, like who was there with him, obviously, was like, yeah, it's the fag. And like, I just in my head, like, yeah, I'm the fag. And I waved to them. They were cool and respectful. You know, they thought I was funny from the couple nights before or whatever. And it was a good situation. So why am I going to get so caught up on words? Like, people get mad about the word tranny, and I do the joke about it, you know? I do the joke about how uh, these trannies on TV are complaining about the word tranny, and I feel like I wasn't even talking about you, I meant the pretty ones, because that's what a tranny is in my fucking head. I mean, I knew so many trans women that, yeah, if you were to call them tranny in a hateful way, they would definitely come after you, and they wouldn't write a fucking blog, they would beat your fucking ass, that's what they would do. That's the kind of girls I knew. So, and yeah, they were fucking beautiful, but they would fucking strip away that beauty and whoop your ass is what they would fucking do. They'd tie up their fucking hair. They'd fucking take out their fucking earrings. They were those kinds of bitches. And I'm not exaggerating even a little bit. These bitches were this fucking rough once you fucking push them over the edge. But yeah, as far as just the word tranny, they'd be like, yeah, I'm a fucking tranny whore. I don't fucking care. That's what I am. So I knew people that were very comfortable with themselves in that way, but now all of a sudden these people that are new wanna suddenly tell me what my language is supposed to be. Well maybe you're not comfortable with what you are. Maybe you need to stop saying that you're just a woman. Like I saw a whole blog about that one time where it was like, actually I'm not a trans woman, I'm just a woman. No, no you're not. No, you are a trans woman and I will accept that and most people will, will accept that. But when you're trying to commandeer the title of woman, no, that's not genetically what you are. And that's what people have a problem with. Because now you're asking people to redefine what they consider to be a woman. So why can't you have a compromise and be like, I'm a trans woman? And then maybe people would be more open to be like, yeah, you're a trans woman. There's nothing wrong with that. You're a trans woman. But there are certain things that, and I don't know why people lose their jobs because I've seen it happen, there was a radio DJ that did a story about it, and I knew a bunch of women, genetic females, cisgendered females, that really were scared to say anything about it, but because they're cool being open with me, that were like, yeah, I don't know why she lost her job, because I do agree, like, there is a difference between being a woman and being a trans woman. A trans woman doesn't know what it's like to get a period. She doesn't know what it's like to get pregnant. She doesn't know, there are certain things that just certain experiences that you're just not going to have and why can't you accept that and why do you want to force this language into other people's mouths why do you want to force other people to redefine what they think just let them decide because at a point like with me i just say she and her when i'm around my trans friends i don't like qualify it with like, you know, Oh, trans woman or whatever else. It's like, girl, you're a grown woman or we'll just be talking and whatever else. And that, but that's just me naturally feeling that and really understanding them at this point and accepting them as individuals and, really having just that respect for them, that's not even something I think about as like a respect. It's just, a, it's just there. It's just naturally there, just like you respect anybody else that's your friend. I mean, like when you think about your friends, your female friends, like imagine if you have black female friends. You don't think of them as your black female friends. They're just your friends. They're just, the, you know, this woman. It's all. It's not, that's something that drops away just on your own, though. You don't have to be told that. Nobody has to write a blog to make you respect that. You just eventually get that from dealing with people. And after you get to a certain age, which is, I've reached that certain age, I must tell you, you do start to think of people as just people. Where, But you can't force people to be there. You have to let them grow into it. And some people, because of limited amounts of exposure and the way that geography has kept us separated and also... It used to be like you couldn't be gay in a small town. Like in the town I grew up in, I couldn't have been, you know, now I'm sure it's different and there's a lot more people living in their truth. But at that time, you know, when I was growing up there, I knew that there was no way I could be out and gay. I knew there was no way I could be open. It just wasn't an option in that town. Unless I wanted to pioneer it for them, which when I was a kid, that wasn't something I was thinking about. So... Uh, and a lot of us did move to other places where it was more accepted, you know, like Phoenix, even when I was coming up in Phoenix, when I was 17 years old, and I came out in Phoenix, there were a lot of people that were afraid to even give you their real names, because they thought that they could, well, not they thought, they knew that they could lose their jobs if their bosses found out. Like the gay bars, there was a fair amount of paranoia at the gay bars, where people were hoping that they, and then they'd run into somebody from work that, like, you know, had a gay friend or, and I remember the way that they would stress and be like, I don't know if this is going to make problems for me when I go back for work now, because now they know I'm gay or they saw me at a gay bar. I mean, that's just the reality of the way it was. So in a lot of cases, a lot of gay people would pack up and end up in L.A., San Francisco, New York, places where it was accepted, you know, South Beach, places where they could really be free. And so, yeah, that was a smart move for them at the time, but it didn't make it so that the average person living in middle America really got that full exposure. And there were always going to be pockets and people who couldn't afford to leave, so they just had to be gay where they were at. And... (laughs) Those a lot of times turned out to be the strongest and most understanding people as far as the LGBT went. In a lot of cases, to me, even though a lot of people would consider them like bumpkin or small town, you know, never left. To me, those people, in a lot of cases, became the most well-adjusted because they really just stuck it out and stood their ground because they didn't have a choice because they couldn't leave either for financial reasons or possibly because of family Uh, who knows the different reasons but those were the people that in my opinion really fought the fight and still do fight the fight and i'm not taking anything away from like the activists that were in san francisco and new york because i know they were very important they were very important at pivotal times and they still are very important but there's also a certain amount of privilege privilege that comes with that that doesn't make it so it's the full experience You know, like if you're a young kid that's grown up in San Francisco where everybody's accepted it your entire life, I mean, especially if you're in your 20s or you're in your teens, people have been accepting of you for a long time, probably your whole life. You probably don't even really know what gay discrimination is except for from what you see on TV. If you're in New York, San Francisco, L.A., the places where people are very open about being gay. I'm very open to gay. But in smaller towns, there's still a lot of people that are in that struggle, that are still living almost in a time warp. And they're, yeah, slowly getting more and more comfortable. But you still hear about hate crimes. Like, hate crimes went up here in L.A., but I've got a theory on that. You know, I think a lot of people are doing some annoying shit right now. And then when they get whacked for it, calling it a hate crime, and it's like, oh, no, that's you just getting hit for being an asshole. The fact that you have to happen to be gay is secondary. Maybe you need to check how you talk, talk to people. Maybe you don't need to be screaming in people's faces. Has that ever occurred to you? Maybe you need to treat people with the same respect that you want them to treat you with. Because I, I know plenty of people that they don't care if you're gay or straight. You talk shit, you're going to get popped, and that's just what happens. So... <laughs> I would hope that you're hanging out with more mature people than that, but I can't say everybody I know is more mature than that because I do know plenty of people that to this day will just, they don't care if you're gay, straight, bi, trans, whatever you are. You talk enough shit, you're going to get fucking popped. So you want to conduct yourself like an asshole, don't come crying to me and expect me to go for a march over it because I'm not. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to sit right where I'm at and be like, you need to learn how to talk to people. That would be my best advice. And if you want to call that victim blaming, then let's call it victim blaming because that's what I'm doing. If that's, if that's your definition of victim blaming, that I don't think you should act like an asshole and still expect no one to whoop your ass, then I am 100% victim blaming and I fully do own that. <sighs> I'm tired of the, this you're with us or you're against us mentality when there are there's a lot of room for common ground and finding common ground but it's not going to be one side finding common ground and yeah I know a lot of people say that you know people on the right are also hateful and I see that too and but the difference for me is I don't surround myself with those people like I know a lot of people who will see somebody Being an asshole, because I see people see it happen with me all the time. People will watch other people be assholes to me in situations where it's not at all called for because I haven't done anything to that particular person. But because other people are mad at me about other things I've said, they'll actually condone that instead of stepping in and being like, hey, he hasn't done anything to you. He doesn't even know who you are. Do you guys even know each other? But instead, because they're mad at something else I said, they're completely all right to sit by and watch it happen. And then when I actually retaliate, when I say something back, suddenly I'm the bad guy because you've decided that I needed to be punished and I didn't just sit by and take my punishment the way you thought that I deserved. Instead, I actually said something back and stood up for myself and now I'm the worst person in the world. But... Who are you to decide that I'm supposed to put up with these people? Who are you to decide that what I said was even wrong? Because I notice I get called racist a lot by white people. But the people of color that I know don't have a problem with that. We talk about everything. And, yeah, they may not agree, but they don't think that I'm racist. They don't think that I, all the things that white people tell me, oh, you're a bigot, you don't get it. Yeah, there are certain things I don't get. Like when it comes to Muslim, I got to be honest. I don't have a lot of Muslim friends. I don't know a lot about it. I know I went to the mosque in Bahrain. And I know I was told by military personnel and by pretty much everybody that knew I was going out there that it was illegal for me to be gay or to, for people to be openly gay and that I might want to watch myself and that I shouldn't go anywhere without the rest of my crew. That's what I was told. So I don't know that they're the most open-minded to what I am. I know I've seen video of people getting thrown off of buildings for being gay. And I know that crowds have stood around and watched that. And they didn't look like they were in horror. They just looked like, yeah, that shit happens around here. That's what happens when you're gay. I know I read about uh, gay concentration camps somewhere near Russia. I know I read about that. And then I checked it out on Snopes, which Snopes isn't always the most reliable, but I felt like this one, I feel like in a lot of those cases, everybody can be kind of neutral because it just is what it is, but who knows? But Snopes seemed to say that, yeah, it seems, even though they couldn't 100% confirm it because of the way that they kind of block a lot of information for getting from getting out, that, yeah, that seemed to be the case. And there were people that were being beat to death because they wouldn't give up the other gays. They wouldn't, you know, name names and who else they knew that was gay. And so that's something that's happening. So when you're telling me that these people are the refugees, in some cases the refugees that you want to come to this country, well, maybe I have some questions. And I don't want to be called xenophobic or islamophobic or whatever else you want to call me maybe i want you to let me know and if if i'm being silly and this is a non-existent boogeyman then you can talk to me calmly and you can explain that and if it sounds like it makes sense i'm a logical person and i'm gonna be like okay well then maybe i've misjudged these people I know in a lot of cases when I was growing up, and this is something I think I discussed with Long Yu, and I think I also discussed it with uh, Aston Wallace, but when I was growing up, there was a lot of tension between black and Latino. And now a lot of that has completely dissipated as far as even between the two groups. Like, you know, it's just not the same. And in a lot of cases it was. I don't remember who first put it that way, but it was a lot of fighting over land that wasn't ever going to be yours anyway. It was a lot of fighting over projects and who had ownership of certain neighborhoods. And that was a lot of what was going on with black and Latino. And really that was just the system pitting us against each other. And a lot of us have realized that that's what it was, and it's turned into a completely different situation. Like, there's a lot of mixed black and Latino families now. And I personally have said several times before, and I don't care who thinks it's racist, this is just the way I feel. I am way more likely to be open to listening to a black person tell me what it is to, what they think the problems are with American, with America and kind of the way we're doing things. I'm way more open to that than I am to listening to some white person. Because in a lot of cases, white people, I'm sorry to break it to you, but you just don't fucking get it. Like in certain ways, there's certain shit that you just won't get. You don't understand. And I know you want to say, well, people are racist against white people now. Yeah, that there is a fair amount of that. But... It's after years and years of your ancestors and even you don't even have to go as high as saying ancestors. In a lot of cases, it's your parents and grandparents. That's who I was dealing with. That's who was racist against me. Like I dealt with a lot of racism when I was younger. That's why a lot of times when white women talk to me a certain way, I'm like, no, bitch. I remember how fucking evil you cunts could be. I remember that. I remember my kindergarten racist fucking teacher treating me like a fucking piece of shit. And I was a fucking five-year-old kid. It burned into my memory the way she treated me. And the first time I really experienced it, it was the strangest thing ever just because, or most ironic thing ever just because of what I've been talking about on this particular podcast. There was a word that I didn't know in English. And I think most Latinos... I don't want to generalize too much, but I think a lot of Latinos dealt with this, especially from generations like mine and up. And even like after, a bit after. Where there's certain words when you're a kid that you only said in Spanish. Your parents only said in Spanish. Like for us, one of that one of those words was cuartito, which means storage room, or which you use for a storage room. It's like little room is what cuartito would be a direct translation of. But when I was younger, we, you know, our storage room, we just used to call it the cuartito. And I didn't know the word storage room. And I remember I was in show and tell and we're all sitting around and I was telling them a story about the cuartito and, uh, well, where I, you know, used the word cuartito because I was like, and I was in the cuartito and then she was like, wait, what? And just went out of her way to be a complete fucking asshole to me and I was trying to describe it and I was getting so flustered. And I was a five-year-old kid. And I still remember how stupid I felt. And this girl, Jennifer Velasquez, stepped in. And Jennifer Velasquez was just like, storage room. You mean sto- it's the storage room. And then I was just looking like, I guess, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But I remember that being like one of the times I felt the most stupid. I felt so stupid. But I was just a fucking kid. And I remember that there were certain teachers that were very racist. I remember that my, even not as far as just teachers went. I remember my best friend, her dad was very racist and very open about it. Beaner, spick. Uh, you don't have that spick in my house. This was, this is the way I would get talked about. And I, one time was in the other room. And again, I'm a kid. And I'm hearing myself get called a fucking spick. And I'm a little kid and there's this grown man and there's nothing I can do about it. And I don't even understand how terrible the things he's saying about me really are. I just know that I don't feel comfortable and I'm getting called names and I want to get out of there, but I'm in the room and he's in the living room and I'm a kid. I'm afraid to even go out there. But this was completely normal. I remember growing up in Casa Grande, Arizona, the people didn't look over their shoulders to say the N-word. If somebody wanted to say the N-word, they just, wanted, they just said the N-word. And it was completely acceptable. Rap was called N-word shit. That's what it was. That's what they used to call rap when I was a kid. And they would yell it out. They would say, I don't want to hear that N-word shit, and they'd yell it out, and that's just what it would be. So, I, I, the, 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 like I said, these are, in a lot of cases, your parents and grandparents. So now, when you're a white person, a young white person, and you want to correct and tell me what I can say and what I can't say, I feel like, no, you go tell your fucking parents this shit. You go have this conversation with them. Because I've just learned how to function. I've learned how not to be affected by these words because these words were used to tear me down when I was younger. So now that I am not bothered by these words, I am unbothered by these words, now that I don't care about any of this, you're not going to tell me why I suddenly should care about this. Yes, you care about this. You care about this as much as you fucking should. You should be very uncomfortable with these words because you know what? These words are more your history than they are my history. You want to talk to me about fucking oppression and how hard it is to be a fucking white woman in America? Bitch, you're just tired because you're not getting your way anymore. That's what it is. So now all of a sudden you want to act like it's everybody else's fucking problem. And we all need to band around you. We all need to go to a fucking march. No, I'm staying home, bitch. I'm not going on your fucking march. You go on your fucking march. And you know what? You take your white man's fucking balls, you throw him in your purse for the fucking march, and he'll go with you. You have that motherfucker carry your wallet or whatever the fuck. Or you throw his balls in your purse and have him carry the fucking purse. You do it like that. You guys do whatever the fuck you want to do with each other, but don't get me fucking involved with it and act like it's my fucking problem. Same with fucking trans women. These fucking white trans women, oh no, white man, you don't get to put on a dress and all of a sudden now you get women's rights, that's not the way I'm fucking seeing it, you're still a white man as far as I go and I don't care how you dress, you're not telling me what the fuck I'm going to say and what the fuck I'm not going to say, you want to be an equal with me, cool, you be an equal with me, I don't let nobody else tell me what to say, I'm not letting you tell me what to say, and you can ask anybody, I don't let other brown people tell me what to say, I don't let black people tell me what to say, I don't let anybody tell me what to say, but now all of a sudden I got white people telling me what to say and suddenly I'm supposed to to be submissive to it that's where I'm supposed to well sorry I'm not cleaning your fucking house I'm not doing your fucking lawn I'm not doing any of that fucking shit I'm not that fucking beaner all right shit you go talk to Maria about that fucking shit you go find the fucking cleaning lady that you hired and go tell her what she's allowed to say and what she's not allowed to say you're paying her you ain't fucking paying me And that's why I like what are considered racist white people, because quote-unquote racist white people ain't trying to tell me what to say. They say what the fuck they want to say. I say what the fuck I want to say. We have some decent, frank, and open conversations. At the end of the day, we all leave. We got shit off our chest. And we truly do respect each other in a lot of cases. I have so much respect for the people that I perform for that are considered racist and whatever else. When I'm performing in a redneck bar, that's when I feel like white people really aren't bullshitting me. Like afterwards, we'll have the best conversations. And I can honestly say I don't feel the same kind of resentment towards them that I just expressed when I'm dealing with liberal white people or the people that try to tell me what I'm supposed to say and what I'm not supposed to say. I think those people are more in touch with themselves than a lot of people that consider themselves progressive. That's why I'm more willing to take their side. That's why I voted for Trump because I feel like those are the Americans that I need to be on the side of because they're at least open to conversation. They're at least open to understanding what it is I am. And I can't tell you how many of these people invite me to their houses for barbecues or ask me if I need a place to stay or next time you're in town if you need anything. And these people are fucking sincere about this shit. How do I know? Because every once in a while I take them up, not on a place to stay, but I will show up at a fucking barbecue. And if you know me, every once in a while I will be like, yeah, I'll fucking go chill and hang out and they'll make sure that I'm taken care of and comfortable and they treat me like a celebrity and we have a good time and they'll ask me some questions and I'll say inappropriate shit and it's good but then all of a sudden I got liberal white people telling me what I can't and can't say fuck you kill yourself And yes, I mean it. Fucking kill yourself. Stop taking all those fucking meds that your parents have let you get prescribed from an early age because they decided that you should never have to deal with emotion. And just stop taking those pills and let nature take its course. Either way, you're going to do it anyway or you're gonna live a life that's not worth living because you're always lying to yourself and trying to act like things are better than they are and that's why you wanted me to vote for Hillary in the first place because Hillary said that super predator shit and really it's not the word super predator or the words super predator or the term super predator that I was worried about it's the thinking that goes along with it it's the fact with her friends in the prisons and that's what a lot of people were like yeah I don't trust this fucking bitch either but a lot of liberal people were trying to act blind to that and act like we were all supposed to just let that go well maybe that's the racism I don't want to let go of maybe well you're talking about Trump and whatever the fuck he's talking about at least Trump was talking about fucking illegals then you want to talk about like Trump in the 70s and not letting black people live in his fucking places well a lot of people weren't letting black people live in their places in the 70s same with brown people too there was a lot of segregation there was a lot of discrimination and that's why they made the laws that they made and that's when those laws were first going into effect And I expect that some people are going to evolve and some people are just going to have to be forced into evolution. But when it comes to Hillary, she's been doing evil shit to brown and black people for a long time. Like Bill Clinton and his fucking the fucking war on drugs yeah started with reagan and nancy reagan was the fucking just saying no and then bill clinton did his best to keep that shit fucking going and made it so black and brown people ended up getting more fucking prison time because of the way that they they did the same drugs that white people did except for white people did them in a more classy way they would snort them instead of smoking them and there were higher higher penalties for the people that would smoke them while well, who was smoking them black and brown people And some of those people are in prison for lives. Well, white people that decided to be classy and sniff their shit ended up getting a slap on the wrist and getting sent back out because they were good white people. So, but I know with a lot of Trump supporters, they're like, yeah, that did fucking happen where, you know, Trump did, like, people... When people are willing to admit their racism, I'm easier to, because I'm like, okay, then at least we all know that there's something to work on, because at least you admit it's fucking happening, or it has happened. But when you've got Hillary supporters acting like, oh, no, that's not the way she meant it, and that's not, yes, let's fucking own that. If you could own that, then maybe I could fucking see things your way. And then maybe I would have been like, okay, so we understand that she's a dumb cunt. We understand that she's not doing the best. We're going to watch her like a fucking hawk like we would anybody else. Like we should anybody else. Like why is it we accept? Everybody's like, well, you know, politicians are always going to be crooked. Why do we accept that? Why don't we demand better? But we've all fallen into this like, oh, well, they're supposed to be like that. And I said this on Facebook, too, and I don't know why people never picked up on this. And really, It got a lot of likes, but nobody really wanted to talk about it. Nobody really made it their thing. But I was like, why, isn't we, why didn't we as people just revolt at that point and be like, yeah, you gave us two fucking shitty choices. We're watching fucking Trump and Hillary go at it when they're both shitty fucking choices. And we're looking at a fucking bowl of turd trying to decide which is the prettiest one why don't we all just be like no you guys got to do fucking better how about you guys go back to the fucking go back to the drawing board and give us two other fucking people and if we don't like those motherfuckers and let's keep fucking waiting until we find people that are actually can actually do this fucking job and elizabeth warren two people act like she's a fucking savior she's going to be the next one to fail if you're not fucking careful because I don't know about anybody else, but that bitch is the Ro- Rachel Dolezal, Dolezal of the Native American community, if you ask me, and I think she's got to explain that. And I'm not saying that I'm 100% opposed to voting for her if she's got some good fucking ideas, but she's sounding like a bit of an asshole in the fact that she doesn't want to own up to that and actually explain why it is she said that or shit. Go to fucking ancestry.com or, DNA, or check out your DNA and tell us what the numbers are. Are you Native American? Maybe you're fucking Native American like you say. But if you're not, you got some fucking explaining to do cuz you exploited that to a certain degree, but I'm not supposed to say that either cuz now I'm a sm- misogynist and I don't think a woman no, I think a woman can lie about her race just like a man can. How's that for equal opportunity? So fucking tired of people. Anyway, that's my rant for this episode. You know, I'm kind of proud of it. I'm not going to fucking listen to this later and regret any of that shit. Yes, white people, liberal white people. Like I said, you got a problem with the way I talk? Talk to your fucking parents and grandparents. They're the ones that taught me all these fucking words, all right? You got a problem with using the word Faggot again talk to those motherfuckers they're the ones that taught me that they're the ones that first called me that don't get mad at me for owning it now don't get mad at me because i said you know what you're right i am a fucking faggot i'm a dirty fucking faggot and i'll suck dick whenever the fuck i want to if i want to right after i stop this podcast i'll log on to fucking grinder and fuck somebody else don't give a fuck fuck him right in his asshole won't even use fucking condoms if i don't feel like it how do you like that Everybody wants to fucking bear back these days anyway, but don't get me started on that because these fucking fags done lost their goddamn minds and act like HIV is the only thing to worry about just because they're on PrEP, which PrEP supposedly makes you immune, but there's also a certain version of HIV I was reading that you're not necessarily protected on, but all these fucking fags are acting like, oh no, it's fucking, it's fine, I'm on PrEP. Well, bitch, that doesn't mean your asshole is in a cavern of a bunch of other fucking diseases fucking walking around like like a goddamn Petri dish expecti- expecting me to fucking put aside my fucking health and safety. You, know, you could have fucking warts or whatever the fuck else. I don't know what the fuck you got in that hole letting everybody fuck you. In. You know what? You need to watch what you're wrapping your asshole around if you ask me. That's the way I feel about it. You want, you want to hear me judge? That's me fucking judging, all right? But nobody's going to fucking address that. Why don't Margaret Cho get on that? Margaret Cho seems to have a lot of influence in the community. She could say a lot of shit. She really wants to help out the fucking community. How about you start there? How about you start telling these fags to watch themselves again? That's what I'm trying to do, but I'm going to get vilified for it. So people are going to act like, oh, you're just a self-hating. No, I don't hate myself at all. I love myself. That's why I don't want to have a bunch of fucking diseases from a fucking bunch of strangers that never meant anything to me other than a quick fucking on my fucking grinder, which if you're on grinder, you know the brr sound. That's your fucking alerts. That means the daddy's got a bite. Now daddy's got the bite, which is the slang term for HIV and AIDS, but a lot of people wouldn't even know that. I don't know what the demographic is on this. Every once in a while I look. I know I get a lot of LA comics listening to this, which thank you, LA Comics. I love you guys. Uh you guys listening are what make it really easy for me to do a good takedown of somebody we all know i run a few people out of town even though they won't fucking admit it but yeah some of these fucking fools they got what i like to call the unbothered special anyway you guys uh, it's almost time for me to get out of here, but I did say that since my guest, Toby Marishano, who I hope to have next week, uh, he had to do stuff with taxes and he had to do work. So that's why I said he had important stuff to take care of. I can definitely understand having to handle your taxes, which I don't think he minds me saying that. I don't think there's anything personal about that. And if you did, sorry, Toby. Uh, anyway, I don't think he minds me saying that he had to handle his taxes and then he just had a bunch of work from his, uh, whatever his I don't know what his day job is but um he had a bunch of work come in which I can definitely understand you got to make that money and make sure you have that money coming in so I am not at all upset and plus I think you know I I like the way I feel right now so you guys can comment and let me know how you felt about this episode but I feel pretty proud of the rant I just gave I feel like I let a lot of it off my chest and if, you know, some of my uh, white listeners are feeling a particular way about what I said, then the shoe fits, bitch, and you need to leave me the fuck alone and stop listening to Unbothered. I'm not going to change what the fuck I'm saying. I just went on a goddamn rant about that. Now you think I'm a fucking change just because you got in your fucking feelings. No, thank you. No, thank you. Fuck you and fuck anybody that looks like you. Anyway. I said I'd answer a couple questions if anybody had questions. I only felt like a few of them were being serious. So I'm going to read those questions, and then I'm going to answer them. Mr. Eric A. Clayton, who I have not met yet, or I don't think I've met yet, um, he had a question for me, and it's actually like a three-part question, or maybe it's a four-part question. I don't know what the fuck it is. I'm just looking at it, and it's a paragraph, at least a paragraph. Um, And so here it is mister Eric A. Clayton says, I have a little bit of I have a little bit of self awareness. I watch other comics and how they open sets to tie tie together material. My question is, I know three months in that I am nowhere near ready to gig. As it is my goal, what are some ways to know that I am getting closer to being gig worthy? What steps should I be taking now to set up a future where money is involved in my doing a set? How do I avoid the pitfalls of scams and people who don't pay? Is this a trial and error process? (sighs) Well, this is what I would tell you, Eric. I would say that three months in, you shouldn't even be worried about getting paid. You shouldn't even be thinking about getting paid three months in. At three months in, you really should be working on getting comfortable on stage, getting funny, figuring out where you're trying to go, figuring out what kind of comic you're trying to be. Just really work on the craft. Three months in, you're probably not even over that stage fright feeling. I don't know how much you're able to get up. I would say you should get up a minimum seven times a week, once a day at least you should. if it, Because I know it's not, and I know that's not possible in certain scenes. So if you're in a scene where maybe five Times a week is the max you can go up without having to do bringers, which is where you bring your friends, or without doing pay to play, which is where you have to pay for stage time. And when I say without doing pay to play, if a coffee shop or a bar charges you a drink to perform, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't know why people get so crazy about this. When it comes down to it, in a lot of cases, open mic comedy is experimental and it does drive out a lot of audience. So I don't see anything wrong with. compensating that bar in some way if it's something reasonable like you buy a beer and it's like 375 or something like that especially if you only have a limited number of gigs or mics that you can do in your area if that's just part of it then that's an investment in your career and I see nothing wrong with that here in LA there's enough places that you can go where it, it. if you do pay to do anything it's so minimal when you dilute it with all the other places that you can go to that don't charge you anything to go up. I know, like I have said before, like when I go to boys club, I always donate a couple dollars. They've got a bucket out and I donate a couple dollars for that. I've done that with mom party. I've done that with You know, I'll buy something at Wang's every once in a while. I'll get some, you know, chicken bites or something like that. But they have really great, like, happy hour specials. And so I don't see anything wrong with, like, spending a couple dollars, but just not, like, you know, if it's $15 to shut up. I'm not paying $15 to do your fucking shit. If it's something like $5, like, flat rate, I'm like, yeah, you can fuck off and eat a dick. But if it's, like, 75 cents for a bag of chips, which literally it is at some places, you're getting my 75 cents, and then I'll tip a little bit just because I usually like the person behind the counter and I appreciate that. A lot of times, that's the other thing. A lot of times, that person is serving as your audience if it's all comics and they're gonna, you know, laugh at your stuff if it's legitimately funny. And there have been plenty of bartenders and baristas and, or baristas and, um, You know, just counter people that have really encouraged me along my path, that have really been positive influences. And I've never felt any kind of way or like I really lost money by tipping them a dollar for standing behind the counter and putting up with everybody's brutal comedy. And some days you can't afford that. And a lot of people will understand that too, but what I'm saying is make an effort, Eric, to actually support the places that are supporting your art. Um, But right now at three months, don't be worried about getting paid. Um, What are some ways to know that you're getting closer to being gig worthy? If you're consistently doing well, like you wanna get yourself to a point where you are doing well, Even in front of comics, a lot of times people use that cop-out. You can't do good in front of comics. You can't do well in front of comics. You're always going to bomb in front of comics. Yeah, bitch, tell that to every fucking set I have throughout the fucking week where I let other comics. You can call me an asshole if you want to, but if you're a comic and you've seen me go up at some fucking mics, you know that I am entertaining and I'm fun, and it's not because I think I'm something so fucking great. It really is because I am putting in work. I am giving an honest piece of me, and I am trying to entertain you guys because I do like you, I do respect you, and I do want to do well in front of you, and I do respect your opinions. So, yeah, I do work on this shit, and I'm like, let me give these motherfuckers a real piece of me right now. That's what I would say, Eric. Work on giving people an actual piece of you because that's something they can't get anywhere else. That's why a lot of times these people hit me up and be like, so-and-so's doing a version of a joke that you do. So-and-so can't be me. So I'm not fucking worried about that shit. And if all you got to do to be me is take away one fucking joke, then I need to work harder on me. So yeah, Eric, work on being authentic and good. And when you really start want rocking rooms, You'll know when you're gig worthy because other people will just start offering you shit. As much as people try to act like comics are haters, the truth is real comics are not haters. Real comics help each other out and how do I know? Because I have real comics all across this country try to help me out that sometimes I just met for five minutes or saw me do a quick set or saw me headline somewhere and they try as hard as they can to get me on shit and they hook me up with shit and real comics are the ones that really keep me fucking working and I'll be 100% honest about that and there's no shaming me saying it Real comics have helped me. Real comics will hit me up out of nowhere and be like, I have real comics, make sure my bills stay paid. And I try to do the same for them. And anybody will tell you that I do. Any one of these real comics across the country will tell you. They, they hit me up and they're like, hey, I want to get in at this club. If I know you're a rep, reputable comic and you're going to make me look good, I'll do my best to make sure you get up in that in that room. And because I do have a reputation for being discriminating when it comes to good comedy, there are actual bookers and club owners that will hit me up and be like hey who are some people that i need to know about there are even people that work for agents that hit me up and do that shit and that's just something that fucking happens when you're willing to say no i don't support this yes i do think this is good and you're willing to actually put your foot down and not just try to be the nice guy all the time like not too long ago i was at a show And this girl hit me up and she was like, I was doing the show and she was like, so who books this show? And in my head I was thinking, bitch, I don't fucking like what you do. I see you eat shit all the time. I'm not telling you who runs this show so you can go harass them. How about you go ask somebody else? And I politely was like, you know, because when it comes down to it, I don't know who technically books the show. I know who asked me to do the show. But I don't feel like it's my job to sick you on them, and I don't feel like they're going to appreciate that. So technically, I don't know who books, me on the sh- who books the show. I know who booked me on the show. So I was like, I don't really know. And then she was like, you don't know who books this show? And I felt like, bitch, don't play with me. I just said that. I don't know if there's an echo in here or the breeze is hitting a certain way. But I feel like you heard me because you just repeated back exactly what I said. And I said... I don't know who books the show, meaning I don't know who you'd want to talk to about that. Maybe you need to step up step up your game and they will just ask you like they just asked me. She's probably still mad, but and I wouldn't mention her name, but it would give her a way to feel victimized and <sighs> I'm not in the mood for shout-outs right now, you guys. Um what step should I take be taking now to set up Future where money involved in my doing a set, like I said, working on your set. That's that's a, that's the best advice I can give you. A tight and have some discipline about it. Like actually have a, an actual set. Three, five, seven. Those are the numbers you want to remember. And then you can work on a 15. But in the beginning, three, five, seven. Three, five, seven, get loose. Ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, I should have warmed up. My voice wasn't ready for that. Anyway. Anybody else remember Oaktown's three, five, seven? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Call with the posse on it. Oh sorry. I have a terrible voice. All right. I'll never be on goddamn comedy jam. I'm good friends with Josh Adam Myers, but we both know I will never be on goddamn comedy jam. I can't say. So yeah, work on your act. That's what I would honestly say. And I'm not being snotty with you about any of this, Eric A. Clayton. I am taking this 100% seriously and giving you the best advice that I can possibly give you. Work on your act. A three-minute set, a five-minute set, and a seven-minute set. And make sure it's tight because... When people ask you to do guest sets, a lot of times that's what they're going to want to see. A lot of times like the booker will be like, yeah, I'll give them three minutes, or yeah, I'll give them five minutes, or yeah, I'll give them seven minutes. And those are very common numbers. So if you're already equipped with a three, a five, and a seven-minute set, You're good to go as far as starting to, and what you do is, you do your three, your five, or your seven minute set, you rock that fucking room. I mean, no fat, all just good jokes, powerhouse shit. You just want it to be all fucking the strongest stuff from your set and it'll take you a while to come up with it, and it'll be frustrating and at points you'll feel like you're just not getting it and you'll never feel like that order's right you're always gonna probably do it different ways or whatever else or maybe you'll have a time where you do it like verbatim a certain way and there's nothing wrong with that either I'd rather have somebody that was rehearsed but really had their punchlines in place and I could tell they were really trying to do something than somebody that's just loose and like, eh, I'm just being fun and stream of conscious. You're not ready for stream of conscious. You need to be disciplined. You need to learn all of the rules so that you can break them. A long time ago, my friend Paula Bell had recommended to me a book called Comedy Writing Secrets. And it's a big yellow book. And I started to read it. But then I was like, this is all just stuff that I'm going to learn anyway. But I would... uh, And so I stopped reading it. Plus, in a lot of cases, I hate reading. But I did buy a book today, which I'll end up talking about soon. But I'm no Oprah, so nobody's looking for my book of the month. Um, But, yeah three, five, seven minute sets. That's what you want to work on. Really tying that up. And you'll find that people will just start asking you to do shit. Real comics will be like, if you're good and you're actually doing shit, they will be like, Hey, you're good. And I know, cause I'm doing that with a fair amount of people now that I've seen on open mics or other friends have recommended for anybody that was wondering, Ashley Johnson is the person that I chose to go to Colorado with me. And I, feel like I made a good choice. I'll let you know how it actually turns out. It's not until July. But um, I feel like I made a good choice because I sent his clip to the booker and he, um, the booker approved it. Eric A. Clayton, another thing you can do to get yourself ready for um, shows and actually booking stuff is record your sets record every set that you can possibly record and actually watch yourself and critique yourself and look at yourself in an analytical way we all hate the way that we look in certain shirts we all hate our fucking voices I don't know a single comic that's like you know I really like listening to my voice all of us are like yeah my voice fucking sucks but if you force yourself to really look at yourself and you're like, okay, what am I doing with my hands right there? I could look a little more free right here. I'm looking a little stiff. I'm, you know, and some days you're not going to be able to record yourself with the video camera, but the more you record yourself with the video camera, the more chances you'll have of getting something good. And then you up the, upload that unlisted to YouTube because you don't want everybody seeing your material, especially in the beginning, but you upload that unlisted very important, unlisted to YouTube. And then when a booker wants to see you, if you can't actually make it out to their club or you're applying for work across the country or whatever, it may be you're going to be visiting another state, you go ahead and send them that unlisted link and then they can check it out and they can see what it is you do And like I said, the more times you videotape yourself, the better chances you have of getting one that's going to be like, okay, that set is 100% what I want a booker to see. I want them to see me kill like that. And on the nights when you can't do video, take your phone and with your voice memo, record the actual audio. Listen to yourself. I remember I used to do that on the way from one set to another. I do it a lot less now, but, you know, I should start doing it again, but I think we all agree When it comes to writing material, I'm kind of doing all right with that. But what I'm trying to tell you is heed my words. On your way from one gig to the next, even if you're able to do two or three sets, you can listen to your set, and then you can be like, oh, I didn't say this word right, or I left that part out of the joke. Sometimes you'll think a joke isn't working, and then once you listen to it, you'll be like, I'm not illustrating this properly with my words. And that would help things out a lot if I just threw this word in, or I'm saying this word like this, or I'm coming off angry when I'm trying to be fun in this joke. Which, a lot of times, if you do edgy material, sometimes when you say things a certain way, you'll sound really angry, and the audience will pick up on that. And the audience is like, I can't go with hateful. But then you find a way to like tweak your voice or, you know, play with the way, play with your inf- inflection. Don't be afraid to play with your inflection. Figure out, like I was discussing this. With Nicole Buchanan not too long ago, and she's really good at that, even though she's you know much newer. And I don't say that in an insulting way at all. Like she's great, and I love her, and everybody knows that I'm you know a fan of her as a young newer comic. But like it's, I think a huge says something huge about her maturity as a comic that she already thinks about her inflection and the way like we talked about it. There's certain jokes that I fucking kinda of yodel my voice in because I know that it'll get a better laugh and I've tried it other ways and I'm like, it just don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Shwap, shwap, shwap anyway. Um this has been a very musical edition of Unbothered by Ty Rivera, but, you know, I've had the kind of day that I'm really enjoying you guys right now. You may not be enjoying me. You may not even made this, made it to this part. I don't usually do this long by myself, but we're almost out of here anyway. Uh, How do I avoid the pitfalls of scams and people who don't pay? Yeah, that's happened to all of us at some point. I don't think there's a comic out there unless they just got an agent right away. And we're one of those sensations, which they are out there. But like most of us have had that happen. And you start to learn like, you know, there are certain scams. But Uh, there's also a lot of honest people and most people are trying to do the right thing. Maybe I'll discuss that on the next episode, but I don't want to make this too long, but um, sometimes people do it by accident and they didn't mean to like screw you over, but most people you're going to run into, they're trying to really run something and they're not fucking you over on purpose. So yeah, it is a trial and error process that's what i would say then john benitez asked me has a tinder hookup ever made you say damn you might be the one no i've never been on tinder and then as far as grinder goes um i always know that that's just gonna be a wham bam thank you ma'am wham bam thank you ma'am wait just a minute mr looks so good Uh, But, yeah, I always know with Grindr, it's like, yeah, this isn't going to be fucking shit. I'm going to fuck this fag and be about my business. Um, But one time, I ended up dating a guy that I met at an adult bookstore. And we were together for, like, six months or something like that. So, I'm not above tawdry, trust me. Tawdry Hepburn. Was my drag name, but I just never got around to actually doing drag. I just picked out the name. Anyway, uh, Brian McDowell, who I haven't seen in forever, very funny comic, used to be here in LA. I really like Brian McDowell, have a lot of respect for him. I'm sure he's even funnier than he was when he was here. Just a funny, funny guy. If you guys remember Brian McDowell, um, he was not to be slept on. But he chimed in. He's in St. Louis now, I believe. You came a long way from St. Louis. Um, Brian McDowell asks, who is the worst comedian you've ever seen during your time in Los Angeles? Alexander Shaw. Alexander Shaw still holds that record. And he, I haven't seen him in forever, but um, he was so terrible. I'm sure you remember him, Brian McDowell. He was around when you were around. And yeah, I would say Alex Endeshaw was without a doubt the absolute worst. We had nicknamed him Alex and the show. And now I think he's concentrating on acting or whatever he's doing. I'm glad he's not in stand up anymore. But I appreciate the questions you guys. Um I'll let you guys know how everything works out when you know with my selection uh but for anybody that was wondering ashley johnson and yes ashley johnson did go through the actual process sent me his clip and was you know i have when i say that i'm gonna pick somebody from who hits me up i am gonna pick somebody from who actually hits me up i'm not bullshitting you guys i have better things to do with my time than get people's hopes up just to not actually run things the way. And I was disappointed because friends were hitting me up and being like, Hey, can I open for you? And it's like, you eat shit all the time. Yeah, I like you as a person, but you eat shit all the time. So I'm not even going to fucking respond to you because you're just being ridiculous right now. You're not being honest with yourself. And if it's one thing I hate in this world, it's comics that aren't self-aware. Be honest with yourself with where you're at. If you're eating shit, you need to know you're eating shit. If you can't do seven minutes, I'm definitely not hiring you to do 20, especially when next time I want to bring somebody else with me and I want to maybe get it to the point where I don't even have to send them a clip. I can just be like, like, you can trust my word. You know I'm not going to bring anybody that's going to eat shit. And a lot of places feel that way about me. But some places still want to see. And I can't blame them because it's their club. But in the end, it's going to be whoever I pick is going to be playing in their fucking club. So I don't blame them at all. I don't hold it against them when they're like, Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a good fit. That very rarely happens for me, though, because most people know that I am going to actually think about it and pick somebody. Anyway, you guys. This has been another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. I know that I was bothered throughout several parts of this episode, but I have to say I had a great time talking to you guys, and I am 100% unbothered at this point. You can find me at America's Favorite Fag.com. You can find me on Facebook just by searching Ty Rivera. You can Google Ty Rivera. You can spell Ty Rivera any way you want to, and Google's going to say, did you mean Ty Rivera? And it's going to say my name, say my name, say my name. All right, you guys, that's enough of me in this terrible voice. I love you all, and I appreciate you all listening, and stay unbothered.